Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Today's episode of the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is powered by FinClub and their artificially intelligent stock picks. With nearly 90% accuracy for the first half of the year, you'd be crazy not to try FinClub stock picks while you can. I mean, before they get bought out by one of the big Wall Street banks, because their technology really is that good. So head on over to tryfinclub.com to get nearly $1,500 in bonuses just for starting your free two-week trial. So join the club, the Fin Club, to get nearly $1,500 in bonuses just for starting your free two-week trial at tryfinclub.com. That's tryfinclub.com. Hey there, 10-Minute Traders, and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, I have an incredible, incredible guest. Uh, Mark Minervini, the stock market wizard himself, is on the line today to share some of his knowledge and wisdom. And we're going to talk about his first book, which is called uh, Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. It's great to be here. So what I wanted to do to lead into the program was actually read Mark's bio. So I'm going to read it straight from his book here. And starting with only a few thousand dollars, Mark Minervini turned his personal trading account into millions. To demonstrate the effectiveness of his SEPA trading methodology, in 1997, Minervini entered the U.S. Investing Championship, posting $250,000 of his own money. And he won with a 155% return, a performance that was nearly double the next nearest competing money manager. Using SEPA, using his SEPA trading tech strategy, in a five-year period, Minervini generated a towering 220% average return. And that was only with one losing quarter. To put that into perspective, if you had a $100,000 account, that would explode to over $30 million with just those returns there. Mark Minervini is a 30-year Wall Street veteran. He is featured in Jack Schwager's Stock Market Wizards, a conversation with America's top stock traders. Schwager wrote, Minervini's performance has been nothing short of astounding. Most traders and money managers would be delighted to have Minervini's worst year, a 128% gain as their best. Now, if that doesn't get you excited about having Mark on, I don't know what does. Mark, thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited to, uh, to share this with the, uh, the audience out there. And in <laughs> fact, in the in the forward of the book, um, they were talking about the uh, the importance of the last two chapters. And you know, when I read those last two chapters, I was like, "Holy cow!" He is right. David Ryan, the three time investing champion, was saying the last two chapters are probably the most important. And to me, I couldn't agree more. Uh, in fact, the last two chapters are on risk management. And really, it, it seemed like it could actually be an entire book on its own. Um, so when you were learning to trade initially, uh, you'd mentioned in the book here that the first six years of learning to trade, uh, they were unprofitable. Now, do you feel that the 
risk management techniques that you learned over those times is, is what really changed the way things worked? Or how do you feel that the risk management that you put in this book here uh, really translated to how you went from being an unprofitable trader to a stock market wizard? Yeah, well, first of all, the reason why there's two chapters is I had a lot to say about risk, so we had to break it down into two chapters, but I feel risk is at least uh, two times more important than anything else. So that's why it's it's got that heavy uh, double chapter on risk. I could have probably went on a little bit more. You're right, it is, it is a book in itself, risk management. But to answer your question as far as you know, how that translated in my own trading, to turn myself around because when I started, of course, just like everybody, I didn't know what I was doing. So it took a number of years and, and uh, it wasn't like now where you have, you know, shows like this and you have podcasts and YouTube and webinars and all these great uh, ways to uh, help yourself along on the learning curve. Uh, back then, you know, we're going to libraries, reading books that were 60 years old and had methods that didn't even work in the first place. So we had to figure it out, a lot of it on our own. But the, the, when I first started, I wasn't cutting losses. As a matter of fact, I was not, not only was I not cutting losses, I was doing the complete opposite of what I do now or what I've done for the last 30 years or so. And that is buying stocks that are very strong, that are showing you know, momentum, earnings. Uh, prior to that, when I first started, I was buying stocks at the 52-week low list that were low priced um, and, uh, and and I would hold them even if they were down I would double up on them and of course that led to miserable returns and I ended up uh, having to switch all that and turn it all around I had to turn that entire strategy on its head oh yeah I can I can totally totally empathize with that in fact a lot of what you just described are things in this book right you were talking about how uh, you know losers average losers don't buy anywhere close to the 52 week low um, basically everything you just covered there, uh, you, you had talked about in the book and, and yeah, I, I, one of my very worst trades, uh, was when I wanted to go long gold while gold was just falling apart a couple of years ago. Now it would have been a great trade with gold going the way it is. Uh, but I've managed to, to really blow it because I didn't control my risk. Um, I mean, I, I, I had long GLD, long GDX, long GDXJ. I was I was really levered in, and it it, it was a, a very very poor strategy. But one of the things you talk about here is is the fact that you, whenever you're looking to put on a trade, you have it all mapped out the night before, as far as your entry and your exit points. So you've taken the emotionality out of it, where you already know where you're going to exit long before you even put the trade on. Uh, where where did you figure out that that was uh, the best method? Because honestly, I, I when I was reading that, I was, the the green light went on in my head, and I was like, of course, you know, for me, I had put it on or it made the trade as I'm putting things on, made the plan as I'm putting things on. But you know, the night before, removing all all emotionality out of it, you know, how did how did that come about? Well, it came up it came about from having a lot of emotional traits, you know, and. Um you know, realizing that when you're in the thick of it, you're not making the best decisions as far, as far as decisions that need to be unemotional. So, you know, if you go in with a plan that's already been established, 
Now it's just a matter of executing your plan, and when that price gets to that point, you're prepared and you already know. I mean, I don't just prepare just for the stop loss. I'm prepared for just about everything. I mean, if the stock were to do just about any type of price action or certain news would come out, I'm, I'm pretty much – I have contingency plans for – pretty much any scenario and if I don't have one then there will be one after that new scenario occurs that makes total sense and I, I think the audience out there really should just take a, a step back and listen to to Mark's wisdom here is that you know having the plan to not only enter exit and deal with any kind of issue that may come up in the meantime is critically important uh, so so make sure that you incorporate that into your trading strategy starting today and going forward, just making sure that you know what you're going to do long before you ever actually do it. I mean, it makes it so much easier to just follow your written plan. Yeah. Yep. So one of the, uh, the things that I've picked up on early on in the book is you, you spent quite a while talking about PE ratios and, you know, really dispelling the myth that a low PE ratio means a good opportunity, a, a value buy. In fact, a lot of the time was spent here talking about how a lot of the super performers that you had here had been hitting new PE ratio highs uh, leading up to their their uh, their uh, level two run. And, you know, that, that was really interesting to me. Why do you feel that so many people and investors and colleges really focus on the PE ratio and, and looking for that to be the, the value investment when when you've shown mathematically and historically that that's just not the case. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, people have a buy low mentality. So, you know, the, of course, the popular uh, phrase is buy low, sell high on Wall Street. Also, if you were to go to a store and you saw a nice, you know, Armani suit on sale for what used to be 1500 and now it's uh, 500 you'd you'd probably, you know, think about buying it and getting that great deal. So, you know, you have you have that automatically have that naturally have that mentality that if something's down, it's a bargain, especially if it, you know, you see it's like Starbucks or it's Amazon, some company that you know very well. And you're like, well, how are they going to go out of business? I mean, you know, everybody's going to always be on Amazon or or uh, always drink Coca-Cola. Well, you know, they, yeah, well, they do go out of business. <laughs> Companies go out of business, business dynamics change, and sometimes they don't have to go out of business. The stock just stays down for 10 or 20 years and you don't make any money. So, you know, it, it's, you know, as far as the PE is concerned, it's more a, a gauge of sentiment and, um, it, it, you know, you're going to have low PEs in bear markets, high PEs in bull markets on the general market. And in individual stocks, you get what you pay for. You know, if stock is growing uh, very rapidly, you're going to have to pay more for it. It's that simple. You know, you don't go into a Ferrari dealership and pay a Hyundai price. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, and But people, you know, they get stuck on that buy low mentality and they end up with mediocre merchandise. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And really when we were talking about, you know, the, the, the stage two portion of a, a stock's life cycle, uh, you talk about how you're buying it at near near the highs, right? And it's it's so contradictory to basically everything that that I've been taught and a lot of the the market participants out there. And I think that that obviously is is part of your mentality. Is you know that's that's not the uh, the end of the 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 run. In fact, that's probably just the beginning. So that was such an interesting point when I was reading through here and really 
honestly, to me, kind of changed the perspective on what a, a value investment would be, right? Once you start seeing the uh, the stage two run up, is you you spend a lot of time working up in here, and I, I really really uh, would suggest that all the audience out there get this uh, trade like a stock market wizard book to just really see what I'm talking about here. In fact, I'm, I'm holding it up for the uh, the audience. I know you can't see it, but I have just ruined this book. I have probably 150 tabs sticking out of it, and every page is just marked up. And I, <laughs> I like a good physical book so I can destroy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I do the same thing. I usually buy two copies. I have one copy that I completely destroy with highlighters and all kinds of tabs and underlines, and then I keep one undisturbed copy, and I usually put that in my library. Uh, oh, so. that's really clever. Yeah, don't for, hey, don't forget that. though. I just want to point out, you know, it, re, my second book is really important because I could not fit everything in the first book. McGraw Hill wanted the book to be a certain size. I had a lot more to say, so I waited and then did a second book. And in that second book, I talk about selling, uh, mailing down your profits, and there's also, a, I think, a, a very important section on. Uh, confirmations and violations and how to know if you should hold a stock for a bigger move, whether you should sell it even before it hits the stop loss. So that those are really important things. And, and there's even more uh, in there. But the second book is like, I think of them as volume one and two. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've got the uh, the second book here. And uh, I can't wait to dig into it next. And, and I didn't even realize that it was volume one and two. So that's going to be awesome. Essentially, yeah. That. yeah, essentially, it's volume one and two. So, so let me let, hey, let me just yeah, say one yes, thing because I, I, I when you're talking then I forgot. Um, so you talked about buying stocks at a new high. Uh, so I want to I want to make you even more uh, understand this, and I think another light bulb will go off. So let's let's say you had a stock that was at a hundred dollars, right? And you had a bear market, and it went down. Let's say fifty percent because that's a that's a pretty big correction, right? So the stock goes down fifty percent. All right, you buy it at the absolute dead low. You 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 you're a, you're a clairvoyant. You have a crystal ball. You buy it at the absolute dead low. Now that stock goes and goes all the way back up to where it had once traded at the at its highest point. How much would that gain? Does it get back there? One hundred percent, right? Right. You're up a you'd you'd be up one hundred percent. If you bought a stock that was down 50% and it went back into new high ground. Okay, so now let's look at a stock like Cisco. Cisco went up 70,000%. Holy cow. Uh, Home Depot went up 40,000%. You've got stocks like Amazon up tens of thousands of percent. I can go on and on and on, the big leaders. So if you were to buy at the absolute low and then sell at the high and be afraid to buy stocks at the high, you would have given up 69,900%. You would have gotten 100%, but there was 69,000 more percent. So my point is, is that the big money is, is made in, the, in new high ground because for a stock to make a big move, it has to make a new high the entire way. There's no other way to do it. It can only make, I mean, I mean, if obviously if the stock went down 99% or 90, you know, 90%, it would have to go up 900% to get back to a new high. But even that, if you take 900% off of 40,000% of Home Depot, you still left 39,000% on the table. So the the big money is made a new high ground when when you get a, a stock that makes a multi-year move. That makes so much sense. Yeah, man, I couldn't, it, you know, when you talk about these many tens of thousands of percent, it just seems seems impossible, right? 
Well, and look, those are the best companies, the best leaders, and you'd have to hold through that. And I could tell you right now, I haven't made my money holding for a, a 50,000% move. I mean, I bought Cisco uh, just after the IPO. I made five points on it, and then it went up 70,000%. I traded Home Depot, I don't know how many times, Yahoo, you name it, every stock that you can probably name that's a key market leader. I've been in at some point and, and probably many, many times. But over that same period, trading in and out of these names and swing trading, and you know, sometimes I get 100%, sometimes it's 30 or 40, uh, sometimes it might only be 15%. But during that time, you know, I've returned well over a hundred thousand percent. So even if I had the best stock in the market, I've actually, you know, beat a buy and hold of holding that by trading. But again, you know, if your goal is to be in the better names, they're going to make their big move. You know, and again, if you go and you just take a chart and you plot the the big move in a stock. If you put a little dot on all the new highs, you'd see that all the big move sections have all new highs. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have periods, of course, where the stock will correct and go sideways. But it's impossible to make a big move without making new highs. Yeah, you absolutely. You got to embrace it. You got to embrace new highs. <laughs> so so to you, in fact, um, when you were talking just right there, it made me think of, of a question I had while I was reading the book. You were talking about, you know, you got you to find the market leaders uh, like Home Depot, Amazon, Yahoo. And the better names. What what to you signifies that this is a market leader? I mean, you've got a list of a million different stocks to choose from. Mm -hmm. What to Mark Minervini says? Okay, this is a market leader. Is it is it price? Is it fundamentals? Is it percentage change? What what do you look for there? Well, it's both. It depends on the category. If it's a biotech stock, you're probably not going to have earnings. You know, 70, 75% of biotech stocks don't have earnings. So you'll be trading more off the chart and looking for high momentum and some maybe FDA approval process where you got a, you got a big gap on some good news and you might be trading some type of uh, uh, chart pattern. If in most, most growth names, you're going to want to see earnings and sales. So the first thing, of course, is the price action itself. You know, I want to be in a stock that's making a good showing as far as price is concerned. It's in an uptrend. And then I'm looking at the fundamentals. And, you know, that's all broken down in my book as far as, you know, fundamentals to focus on. Uh, I look at them in various different ways, but I'm only focusing on three things. I look at these three things in a, in a, in a, from a bunch of different angles, but I'm just focusing on sales earnings and margins. That's pretty much all my work is just sales, earnings, margins, and the price itself with relative strength and the trend. I and mean, that's pretty much the whole ball of wax. Gotcha. And in fact, you know, on page 79 of the book, uh, you had laid out exactly what constitutes a trend for you. Uh, and I believe there's, uh, there's eight criterias here. And yeah, that's super, super useful. And so whenever you're looking at your trends there, is this something that you're doing manually or, or do you have an alert set up that, uh, you know, maybe on your platform that says, you know, it flashes out and says, hey, Mark, this is now hit your, your trend criteria. This is now something you might be, want to be looking at. Is that, is that how do you do that? Well, that's just the very initial criteria. That's what I call a qualifier. So in order to to qualify as something that I'm going to buy generally, it has to be in an uptrend. There are a few caveats to that, but generally speaking, you're going to be in, a, in what I call a stage two uptrend. As a matter of fact, 
uh, for those of you who are subscribed to MarketSmith, you might know this already, and maybe you don't. Um, and for those of you that have not subscribed to MarketSmith, you probably should because it's a it's a great place uh, not only to get all this information with regard to uh, you know fundamentals, earnings, sales, uh, your relative strength, all that, but they've added my trend templates in there so you can actually screen based on my trend templates and use it as your qualifier and then you can build screens on top of that trend template so you use my trend template as your qualifier and you won't see stocks that are in downtrends you'll only see the stocks that are in uptrends that you should be putting your eye on Wow, that is too cool. I'm gonna have to go check that out right away. Thanks for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, Mark. Well, I had yeah, no it's, idea. It, yeah, it's really it is really cool. They've done it this, this last year or so, and uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty neat uh, tool there. Well, I definitely recommend uh, for everybody out there to go check out MarketSmith. Then, so the next question I had for you, Mark, was I I actually had volume completely turned off on my charts. Like I I never even looked at it, not even once, because okay. to me I didn't I never realized it mattered. But, you know, in this book here, you really talk about how that's a telltale sign of institutions that are getting in and helping drive these tens of thousands of percent change. Um, when you're looking at it, is it your objective to try and, you know, emulate the institutions? You see these big volume spikes. At least this is what I, I was getting across here is that you're seeing these big volume spikes. You're seeing the, the stage two trends to you. That's a clear indicator that there's institutions buying this and they're moving in with big size and big, big money. And is that, is that your goal is to try and emulate the big institutions as, as uh, closely as you can? Okay. So you have two questions. One's on, on volume and the other one is on whether emulating institutions. So let's start with volume. Volume is the next most important thing next to price and price should always be looked at with volume. Um, so that's going to tell you pretty much the acceleration or the power behind the price. So that's extremely important. Price and volume is you know, highly, highly weighted in the work that I do. Um, and then, of course, the objective is as a smaller investor, I mean, even if you were you had a 20 million or a 50 million dollar account, which would be a very big individual investor, of course, you're not. A big investor, relatively speaking, on Wall Street compared to the institutions, you know, the hedge funds and the mutual funds and the pension funds that move, really move stocks and move the market. So think of it as you're a speedboat and these other institutions are like cruise ships where you could just whip around very quickly and you could turn your boat around real, on a dime and they have to make these big turns. It takes a long time. So the key is, is to take advantage and of the institutions. If you know what the institutions are looking for, you could get in there and take advantage of their big volume coming in and moving the price. And that's the whole idea is to, and that, that's where, you know, when, just to give you a quick history, when I first went on wall street and I first made my uh, name with uh, the U S investing championship. And I, I made, I made uh, all those returns that everybody heard about. And of course, stock market wizard, I was a pro to the pros. I, I advised people like you know George Soros's Soros Management, um, some of the biggest hedge funds in the world, uh, mutual funds, and you couldn't even get my research unless you were an institution. No, no individuals could get my research. That was my career on Wall Street, and then I retired. When I came and wrote this book, McGraw Hill came to me and asked me to write a book. I decided to enlighten the individual so they know the things that I w would tell the institutions, and also to know how to get in there 
and to move quickly and take advantage of their uh, first mover advantage or, if you will, their uh, their speed and agility uh, to be able to take advantage of those institutions. And that's you know how this whole thing transpired uh, with the book. Wow, that's incredible. I that makes this this book here. Uh, I think it was around twenty dollars. Potentially the the biggest bargain in human history. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of books that are incredible, unbelievable bargains. Most books that are written by successful people that tell either their life story or their their methods are worth far more than the price that you pay for that. Whether it's thirty dollars, a hundred dollars, you know, books are relatively cheap for what you're getting. I, I have right now sitting in my office. I have about 4,000 books behind me in my library. I, I, I am a bookaholic, so, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I write books is because books have been so pivotal in my, my life. Oh, man. I, I, that is so, so incredible that, that we have such a vast amount of knowledge packed into here and that, you know, it's not just – it's not just one person's conjecture on what's actually going on. It's it's actually what you've experienced and what you've advised on on Wall Street for the institutions. That's incredible. So for a novice trader, right? This is this was going through my mind. What do you feel is just an easy way that somebody who's dipping their toe into the 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 SEPA trading system? What's an easy way to just take a a, a real easy step in and start seeing, you know what? what you're looking at, what what is interesting to you, what's what's out there in the market for somebody who isn't super experienced. They they love the idea of stock market wizardry. You know, all the the information that's that's in these books. I mean Mark just lays it all out there for you. But if you want to take one easy step in, where would the first place to go would be? Yeah, well I I don't usually take easy steps. I usually <laughs> I usually do things very, uh, very aggressively. When I get into something, I get into it all the way um, and try to be really great at it. But I, you know, that's why I wrote the books. The books are the first place to go, and that would give you that gives you the whole blueprint. That's sort of uh, the flight manuals, if you will. There you go. That makes sense. So, the last thing that I wanted to cover on on today's topic here, and and honestly, this this has been bothering me for quite a while. Uh, the people that I learned to trade from call themselves contrarian traders. Um, I, I also consider myself a contrarian trader for a long time. And like you were talking about earlier, you know, picking the very bottom, picking the very top, and then riding it back. But I found that that's next to impossible. And I lost so much money with this contrarian trading style of, of trading. I mean, do you feel that there's any place for that in the market? Because here, I mean, you really focus on the, the the cycle of the the stock, right? There's stage one, two, three, and four. Stage two being your main focus on you want to get that huge exponential growth. And if you are a contrarian trader, that's the absolute worst time that you're looking to get in. Do you really feel that there's any place out there for contrarian trading? Okay, so let me just tell you this. If you're buying stocks at lows and trying to pick bottoms and doubling up when stocks are down and um, you know ignoring your losses and not cutting your losses and buying low PE stocks or penny stocks and uh, going against the herd you know as far as you know everybody's uh, bearish on a stock so you think it has to go up if that's what you're doing you're not a contrarian you're doing what most you're doing what most individual traders do 
and that's why your returns suck and that's why most traders returns suck because you you're not a contrarian if you want to be a contrarian buy stocks only going into new high ground only about one percent of investors do that that's that's actually being a contrarian so mm. if you think that everybody's doing what i do well, then how come everybody doesn't have the returns and the success that I have? They, if they were, they, they would be. So I'm really the contrarian. And I know what you're saying in the, in the sense of meaning that, you know, a contrarian meaning that the stock is down, so you go long, it's up, you sell. You know, I understand that. But in the true sense, you are a contrarian when you're doing what most people are not doing. And by, uh, you know, being a contrarian in the in the traditional sense and buying stocks when they're down and doubling up on them because it's a quality name um, and you trust that the management you know is great that's actually you're doing whatever you're doing what most of the mediocre uh, performers are doing oh i can tell you from my returns that that's exactly the case <laughs> i'm i'm the first one to admit that i am i am far from a a stock market wizard um, and in fact, that's why I like to have, you know, people like you on, you know, smart people who have been out there and experienced it, uh, to really, A, you know, for my own selfish reasons to learn from you guys, but B, to share it out there with, with so many other people, because exactly yeah. like you were talking about, you know, if the stock was up, I would sell. If it was down, I would buy. And that was my quote, contrarian trading. And, and my returns were super not great. <laughs> that's the easiest well, way I mean, to at say some it. point, yeah, at some point you have to sell when the stock's up. You don't just not sell because it's up. But bottom line is I spent six years or a good, a good part of that time, um, you know, trading that way and buying stocks that were down, not cutting my loss. And I had nothing but miserable results for almost, it was almost seven years. And then when I flipped everything on its head, um, it took me a few years to, to figure it out and to, and to uh, understand uh, how to implement that uh, completely opposite strategy. But then it only took me about six or seven years to take a few thousand dollars and turn it into millions. And, mm -hmm. and, and the rest was history after that. So, um, you know, I became very wealthy from doing the exact opposite of, uh, of buying stocks with low PEs. And so, and so when people ask me, you know, that's, you know, that's my uh, wheelhouse. You know, that's what I do. Is there is there maybe a way to make money another way? Sure, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's many ways. I just this happens to be the one that I know, and I'm an expert at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's plainly obvious. So one of the things that I have found personally, and and something that I've been running into more and more is that uh, there's really a mindset portion of trading, right? Trading. I mean, any anybody, any monkey can just hit buttons on a screen and buy and sell, but. There really has a lot to do with mindset. And from what I understand, that's what your your latest work, your newest uh, third book is about. Um, could you just share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I almost I actually I forgot all about that. Good thing you <laughs> brought it up because it, it's coming out. Uh, I'm supposed to get a copy in the next few days. So uh, hopefully uh, I'll see that in the next few days. And then I think in about two weeks or so, it should be up on Amazon and it'll start going out uh, and getting uh, so, so people can buy it. But yeah, the book is... Uh, purely on mindset it's not a stock market book just so everybody understands there's no stock market in there i mean i, I have a few stories in there about stocks um, but it is a, a pure mindset peak performance book that you can use to uh to uh, uh improve your performance in just about anything from a, whether you're an olympic athlete or you're in business and you're you're giving speeches or uh in athletics whatever it's uh the name of it is uh, mindset secrets for winning 
how to bring personal power to everything you do. And it's uh, it's probably my my favorite book that I've written. That sounds like a Tony Robbins book. Yeah, well, Tony's son Jarek was one of my uh, one of my co-instructors and one of my coaches a few years back. So, matter of fact, I just spoke to him the other day about uh, helping me with uh, putting another program, a workshop, going forward uh, based on this book. So, uh, yes, it's, oh, wow. uh, it's along those lines, and uh, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Tony and Jarek. Yeah, that that's really cool. So. Okay, so you were talking about your workshop, and in fact, that that uh, was certainly something that I want to cover today as well. Um, if you go to minervini.com, um, you'll be able to to learn more about Mark, but you'll also learn more about his uh, his program that he puts on every year, the uh, the Master Trader program, and that's coming up here in October. Uh, what could somebody who is looking to improve their trading skills, uh, you know, what 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 would be the biggest benefit to them uh, to come to your Master Trader program? master trader program well the master trader program is a to z you know it's really i and i believe we've put together the greatest uh learning experience on the face of the planet for stock traders so i truly believe that and based on the results and the feedback you know we've got an incredible uh an incredible uh three days so the other thing too is it's i do it with david ryan who for those of you that don't know, David Ryan was sort of a mentor to me. I went to go see his workshop uh, with Bill O'Neill, and this is back in the 80s um, when nobody knew who Bill O'Neill was. Nobody knew who Investors Business Daily was. I think it was called Investors Daily then. Um, and I got the first Investors Daily. Um, you know, I think if you went into any brokerage firm or anywhere on Wall Street and said, you know, you, you know, Investors Daily or Bill O'Neill, you'll be lucky to find one out of a thousand people. Um, so it was, you know, right on the ground floor of learning from, uh, you know, David. And and then, of course, when I wrote the book, I asked David if he wanted to write the foreword. He said no at first until he read the book and then he loved it. Uh, but um, it, we, we ended up, you know, getting together and doing the workshop. So you get David Ryan, who has got, you know, 45 years of experience and myself with 37 years of experience. Um, this year also, we have Mark Ritchie, who is essentially, I don't want to say he's my student, but he's he's one of the, the attendees that came uh, to the very first Master Trader program, and he's done incredible. And uh, I included him in, uh, there was another book that was written called Momentum Masters, it was an interview uh, book with myself and David and Mark and uh, Dan Zanger, and uh, he's in that book. Uh, if you want to read about Mark, he's he's an incredible young guy who's uh, uh, emulated and mimicked, you know, the type of returns that uh, that I've gotten. So he'll be there too. So it's it, and then we we do some live trading on day three. It's just it's a great three days. Ah, oh, cool. So that's that's really exciting. So I really hope that uh, if you haven't already got a ticket yet, um, you know. And if, if you're interested in, in, you know, becoming a stock market wizard like Mark yourself, definitely go and check out Minervini.com. That was the and biggest, that was the biggest, longest pitch I've ever made on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have that going on the going. What a shameless, shameless pitch that was. <laughs> you know what, Mark, you can have all the shameless pitches you want in this program. <laughs> no problem. In fact, I'm going to do a couple of extra shameless pitches. Be sure to check out. Uh, Mark's first book, Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard, and then his second, which I'm going to start reading uh, as soon as we get done with this interview here, and have Mark on to talk more about it, really, is Trade and or Think and Trade Like a Champion. And then yep. his third work is coming out uh, very soon, and, and probably by the time uh, this gets released, it'll be 
um, starting to, to go onto the Amazon uh, shelves there. So Mark, um, first off, let me say thank you so much for coming on the, the program today. Uh, this has been exceptionally educational. And honestly, if if the audience out there hasn't learned anything, um, they they should be trading on your skill level, honestly. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. So thank you so much, really, for coming on the show. Well, I hope it's been helpful. And uh, again, maybe we can come back and we'll we'll talk about uh, some of the things in the second book next time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. But I know uh, I was talking to to Mark's assistant, and he was saying, you know, you're you're about to enter your your pre pre program window where uh, you know it's it's a blackout day for you. So I know yes. it'll be a couple months before I get you back on. Yeah, yeah. This next this next uh, several weeks before the uh, the workshop. Yeah, it's sort of frantic. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, we're, we're we're in prepare mode. So yeah, this is it. Lockdown after this. Yep. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come on the, the podcast today. I, I think this is fantastic. I, I'm so grateful to have you on. And for the audience out there, be sure to go to Minervini.com to learn more about Mark um, and his uh, his Master Trader program. And, you know, just go down the link below on the show notes here, and I'll have all the links to his book so you can pick one up yourself right away. So, Mark, honestly, thank you so much for coming on today's program. Yeah, Chris, it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Cool. Man. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Really appreciate it. And thank you guys for tuning in today uh, for the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. And before you go, be sure to like, subscribe, and enable notifications so you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter that we upload every single week. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, did you realize that you could get the secret weapon that every investor needs right now to start changing your financial future for free? Yeah, that's right. Just head on over to triplestockprofits.com and download your free Triple Stock Profit System ebook today. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, who is content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. Thanks for stopping by.